the determining factor around what content we create is how do our prospective customers make a buying decision first? This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 59. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. Choo-choo! Here we go again. We're all about the content marketing. Everyone's talking about the content marketing. Put content, put good content out on the internet. People will find it and then they'll suddenly buy your stuff. Doesn't (laughs) seem very logical or very reasonable. No. Hey, this is Rob and Kennedy. Hello. From Response Suite. Dead pleased to be here. Today we're going to be talking to our pal Chris Marr from up in Scotland. Mm -hmm. And we talked to Chris before... Actually, we go back a little bit, don't we? Before we hire Grace as our, co- our content marketer here at Response Suite to see what do we actually need in a content marketer, what we should we be looking for? And one of the things Chris is really amazing at is looking at how do you take content marketing, which is stuff you put out there, and turn that into a commercial return on investment? How do you get an ROI from that? It's about building the strategy around the content marketing, isn't it? As yeah. opposed to, it's very easy, I think, with content marketing to say, I will literally vomit my content all over the internet and it will generate sales without actually working out why why will it generate sales? How will it generate sales? It's it's all well and good to say somebody's going to find this blog post. That, yes. that raises the question of how. And then they're going to read it will they? And then at the end of it, they're going to go, definitely going to go and opt in. Okay, but what are they actually? And then, and then once they're on my list, I'll be a millionaire by tomorrow. It's easy to make those assumptions. I think we probably did that initially, like to say, oh, well, people will take themselves down this path rather than thinking about how or why that's going to actually happen. It's it's really easy to think that you know build it and they will come, which is a piece of a piece of marketing advice we were all told back in the year. Dot does not work. You know you can't open a shop and, and people are going to turn up. So Chris is really pragmatic about how it is you move people through that, and I think that's really interesting. And he has some really cracking advice coming up in this episode. But before we do get into that, we are going to tease you a little more by going over to Rob's all important quotation of this week. Yes, because as they say, while monkeys sleep, rivers run deep. Almost rhymed as well, that one, isn't it? It was like a semi-rhyme. No, sleep and deep. Oh, they do rhyme. Sleep, deep. Yeah, they do rhyme. Monkeys and rivers don't rhyme. Oh, is that what it is? I bloody wrote it and all. I should know that it rhymes. <laughs> ah, it's been a long old day, hasn't it? It responds to HQ. This is why Kennedy's not a puss. <laughs> Just. And that's a problem. Yes. Okay, cool. So this episode, we've got a lot to talk about, but before we get into it, we've got to tell them about this training we've got going on because the response we've been getting from the last ones we've ran has been fantastic. So thank you to everybody who's tuned in for all that feedback you've been giving us on this training because you're putting our heart and soul into this. So we're running it again. Yeah, so one of the big things that that we love in marketing is email marketing. Being able to just tap a few keys, send an email out, and then watch the return come in. Like the results that we've been getting over the past 15 years each, so like 30 years combined. Does that really mean anything? 30 years combined, it sounds good. Uh, we've been getting really great results and, and just loving it and loving the, the sort of being able to look at what everyone else does, take a sidestep and say, hmm, how do we do something that's different or better or you know unique compared to that? So actually our approach is probably the polar opposite of what you are doing right now or what everyone's telling you to do. And I think one of the biggest things that a lot of people are saying about email is it's costing more and more now to get a subscriber on your list, which means it's taking a lot longer to to make a return on the cost of getting that subscriber. Yeah. So it just turns out as a byproduct of the way that we do our email marketing, we've actually been able to reduce that time. And that, that wasn't some cleverly calculated plan, actually. That was something we discovered by accident, which we share the full story of on this training as well. So where should we go to go and register for the next session of the training, Rob? Just pop yourself over to responsesuite.com forward slash webinar. You'll be able to go ahead and get registered. 
You will. So once you've done that and you come back to the podcast, because we've got an absolute doozy for you, we're going to pop up the Scotty land and talk to our friend, Chris Moore. Mr. Chris Marr, welcome to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. How's it going, mate? Woo! I'm good, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me here. I'm buzzed up. Let's do this, yeah. That was even more excitable than we usually get. That was a very large amount of energy in a very short burst. We've got to wake up the audience as well, right? (laughs) That's true. As if our audience are not awake. (laughs) As if, as if, as if. Obviously, Chris, you've been around content marketing for a long time now. You're really one of the people leading and holding the flag at the front of the content marketing train uh, at the moment, in here, definitely here in the UK, but definitely on a global level. Let's talk about the real commercials though, because look, I've set up a blog, I've decided on a podcast, I've decided on a YouTube channel. All this is lovely. How do we actually make this commercial? Like, is this something which is just brand building or is there actually a commercial intent behind all this stuff? Yeah, so the the way that we teach content marketing in CMA, that like this is a big part of my life, was over a period of time starting to understand exactly that that question, right? So you're a business owner. It doesn't matter what size of business you are. When you own a business, you are ultimately deciding where your budget, your resources, human resource, financial resource, time and energy. You've got to decide where do we put all of this. And as a business owner, the more you dig into all that, the more sensitive you you, you become about where all that resource is going into. So ultimately you have to make a decision, right? So you're like, right, if we put all of these resources into this area, is it going to grow our business, right? So it could be in the content marketing space, you might be thinking, well, if we spend time creating a blog or creating content, written content or video content or podcasts, how do we know that it's the right work for us to do? How do we make sure that actually in a marketing term gets us and keeps our customers, right? How do we make sure it gets us new customers and engages with the customers that we already have so that we can retain them for a longer period of time? Because that's what marketing is really all about. Mm. So any marketing activity, a smart decision would have to be made around making sure that our resources are put in the right place, doing the right type of work, to get the required return on investment to make sure that our company grows, right? So we have to figure all of that stuff out. Yes, there's a lot of people out there, uh, guys, where they're, they're doing the blog articles, they're doing the podcasts and videos, and they aren't getting the results that they should be getting, right? They're, they're, they're maybe not frustrated yet because they're like, oh, we're getting subscribers, we're getting comments, we're getting likes, which is really nice. It's part of the process, right? But we ultimately have to be creating the right type of content. So a lot of people will say to me things like, Chris, we're doing content marketing, but we aren't getting any customers. Uh, Chris, we're getting lots of traffic to our website. But we don't seem to be getting any leads. Um, you know, things like that. And those questions are all based around the fact that we're creating the wrong type of content for the wrong type of people. And to get that ROI, to get those results, to make sure our resources are being put to the best use, we have to figure out how to create content that helps a prospective customer to make a buying decision that's very specific. To me, that's what content marketing is. It's about creating content that helps a prospective customer to feel confident through education. They feel confident enough and trust us enough to want to buy from us. That's, that's fa- content marketing. That's fabulous. That's absolutely fabulous. What it makes me wonder is, let's say we're in a really competitive space, which a lot of us are, okay? In the world of teaching marketing or if you, whichever, whichever niche or niche you might be in, you might think of yourself as in a really competitive, a pe- competitive world. And there are people with bigger blogs, 
with bigger domain authority, with more credibility, more longevity, what they've been doing. They've already got a load of subscribers, a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. How do, is, is the decision then to say, well, if they've got a massive written blog, is the way to choose our channel based on, right, let's not do that because you're going to be competing with some big boys. Let's say in the, let's say you just enter the CRM space, right? You've got HubSpot producing like tons of stellar, gold, beautiful content. And if you're going to like sneak in with your little new CRM and be like, hey, we're a CRM, we're local and lovely. Would you say right in that case, one of the things to do is to turn your back and say, right, we're not going to produce written content because HubSpot, they've got that covered we should choose a different channel. Or do you do what Richard Branson does, which says, hey, that's really competitive, which means it must be absolutely working. I'm going to go full force in there. Okay. So every industry, like, so this is a big, a big challenge we need to overcome. So every time we talk about content marketing, the, one, of the, one of the challenges is sort of, yeah, but our competition are already doing that, right? That's what they, that's, yeah. that's usually the thing. Now, in every industry, though, there's room for doing something better than your competition, right? So we've got to find out what that is. So we've got to dig a little bit deeper below the surface, right? So, yep, HubSpot, for example, they're making loads and loads of content, right? Loads and loads of content. Are, do their customers, do they keep all their customers? What do their customers get frustrated about when they're buying from them? Why do they leave, right? We're thinking about all the problems associated with that industry, right? So if I was coming to the market as a CRM provider, I would be trying to think about what, uh, how, first of all, it's not even about content marketing. It's how is, is our product, how is our product different than the competition? What is our point of differentiation? What is our USP? So I need to have that first of all. So let's say going without saying we have a point of differentiation in the market anyway, we're not just like throwing a new product or a service out there, but ultimately we've got to find a way to connect with a group of people, right? So in marketing, it's like, what is our niche? Who are the people that we're trying to attract? And see, the, I think one of the biggest mistakes we make when we go into this market, uh, go into the marketplace is we first of all start by comparing ourselves to our competition. Now, that, that's part of the process, but certainly not the biggest factor. The ultimate factor that determines what content that you should create is how do our prospective customers make a buying decision and what problems and frustrations and objections they have in having as part of that buying process and what content can we create to make that buying process faster, smoother, easier, more confident for them, right? That's what we should be focusing on. Ultimately, as marketers, the determining factor in what content we create is how do our prospective customers make a buying decision first? We figure that out. We get closer to our customers better than anyone else. We emotionally connect with our customers better than anyone else and ultimately understand them better than our competition. And that should lead us, right? I think you guys should agree, will agree with this, right? We, our customers should lead us through that process. Right. Yes, we want to find a point. We, want to, we will be looking at our competition and saying, right, they have done, like, so for example, we find a company like, you know what? They have done that so well. In fact, if I was to reference this content, it would be, they would be the reference for this world-class, right? We're not going to do that because they have done it very, very well. So let's look at where we can serve our market better than anybody else. What are they not doing? Let's scratch beneath the surface. Let's get more specific. Let's look at, um, let's look at different types of content that aren't that our customers aren't being served at the moment. There's always space. As soon as you start to dig, there's always gaps to do better, be more specific, go deeper, do more research. Um, and ultimately though, 
I think when you look at your competition, they might look like they're doing really, really well. But ultimately, we don't know. They might like have a lot of content, but we don't know looking from the outside in whether it is actually securing them new customers or not. Yeah. Like, we don't know that. We can take a good guess, but we don't know. So what it's we need really to easy to make an assumption, isn't it, Chris? That yeah. you go, oh, they, these people are doing all these things, and they're and that, that whole idea of funnel hacking and modeling other people's content or modeling other people's funnels. And you go around the internet going, well, that person's doing that, and that person's doing that. But the thing is, the really smart marketers, what they're actually doing is they're testing all that stuff, and you don't know if you're looking at the winning test or the current underperforming ugly little sister. Yeah. Exactly. The, the, the thing is, especially with this, this entrepreneurs, freelancers, consultants, small business owners, people are, like you said, you know, they're probably somewhere over, like they're already making sales. You've already got a revenue uh, coming in, right? Let's imagine that that's the type of company that we're speaking to just now. Like maybe they're, they're bringing in 100K a year or more, right? So you've already getting sales. You've already got customers that love you, right? So how do you get, like, where do you start with content marketing? You might be looking at your competition thinking, looks like a lot of people are doing things really, really well. You've got to find your gap. You've got to find that place where you think you can provide a better standard of content. Now, here's a bit, here's a quick win for everybody listening. Because you're on already, like you're already generating a revenue, this means that you already have customers. It probably already means that you've got customers already in the sales process as well. That's the first group of people that you should be creating content for. So we need to understand the buying process, right? So how does someone go from just finding out about you for the first... In fact, how does someone go from never hearing about you before, never heard of your brand name, never heard of your service before a product, to buying from you? What are the steps in that process? What questions do they have? What problems do they have? What frustrations do they have? What objections do they have? What questions, ultimately, what questions do we need to address? What problems do we need to address and discuss through our content to help our prospective customer move through that sales process? Mm. That's what it's all about. And it isn't about big and small or I've got more money than you or whatever. This is about, this is about trust. And trust isn't about big versus small. Trust is about fast versus slow, right? So if you can get, if you can, every piece of content that you create for your company is about building trust with that prospective customer each time, right? The more trust that you can build up, the faster you can build trust, the more likely it is that you're going to be in with a shout when it comes to comparing you against your competition because that's ultimately what we do as consumers. There will be a comparison point in the process. But... To be even have it to even have a seat at the table, they need to have found information online that they can use as research to help them make an educated buying decision. If we can tap into that, we're going to be more successful as a result and ultimately driving more sales and not just sales, but actually a better quality of customer as well. Someone that comes in with their eyes wide open, understands exactly what we do, how much it costs, how much they're willing to spend, um, and they just uh, just a Everyone wants better customers. If I was to say to you, would you like to get more, not just more customers, but a better, higher quality of customers? You would say, yes, everybody knows the two or three or the five or the half dozen customers that they've had that have been their best customers and they would like to model every customer off of that. That's, who we're tr- that's what we're trying to do through this process. We're trying to qualify these people through the process. We like, want good people coming through here and all the people that don't fit within our, uh, into our into the uh, description that we're looking for can go elsewhere, right? So it's a qualification process. 
I love that. I mean, you know, we're listening to this and it sounds great. It sounds, but it, it sounds like it's quite difficult to implement. I mean, you might think, well, I've got a blog over there and I've got my social media platforms, whichever ones I'm using. And it's all quite, if you were to draw it out on a piece of paper, it's all quite disjointed. You know, maybe you've got bits of content linking to each other, but ha, you know what, if you talk about that journey that takes somebody from never having heard of you before to reading a piece of content or watching a piece of content, ultimately mm-hmm. becoming a customer. As a business owner, how do we sit down with a blank piece of paper and map out that journey? How do we say, okay, great, the first place they're going to find us is in one of these, and then we're going to move them to here. How do you actually map that out? It's, so you can start this really simple as a simple sales strategy, because this is what we're talking about, right? We're, 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 we call it content marketing, but it's really about sales. It has to be. Um, there's no point in talking about any type of marketing if it doesn't result in sales. It's, it's ridiculous. So we need to make sure that that is clear from the point from the first from the start that we're talking about how do we get more customers so a really simple process here is we have to you know guys when when we're listening to and we talked about this before we jumped onto the podcast that there's a lot of content marketing experts out there everyone's talking about content marketing you know the most common what the most common conversation is about content marketing is the awareness stage right what we call in marketing the top of funnel Mm -hmm. right Everybody talks about top of funnel content marketing. In other words, how do we create content that creates more awareness? How do we create content that helps people find us? How do we create content that drives um, search engine position and traffic, right? That's usually like, that's the where the, the most... The wide, con- fluffy end of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where most of the conversation takes place, but ultimately isn't always the best place to start, right? Because, because it's such a wide space, a lot of people are doing it already. And how could we scratch beneath the surface? And this is what I'm talking about. We need to get super specific about our strategies. So it's not just a one. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would say that a funnel isn't a strategy. You don't like map out a sales process and say, "Here's a strategy." Your strategy is in the funnel. So you would dig into the funnel and you say, "Right, okay. Here's a here's like a, a prospect that's at a certain stage in the funnel. We're going to look at this prospect in detail. What decisions are they trying to make? What questions do they have?" What frustrations do they have in this moment? How do they see the world? What are they comparing us against? Why can't they make a decision faster? What is holding them back? Well, ultimately, why have they not bought from us yet? Can we answer that question? Then we start to pull that apart. And all of a sudden, we've got this content strategy that's full of questions and content and potentially blogs and videos and podcasts and all that stuff that we want to create. So what I would say is that if you want to get, if you want to build a good content marketing strategy or process or you know sometimes called a funnel we need to see the big picture but we need to zoom in really really specifically to a point in the process where we and we need to build content around that you can almost imagine it like a bridge from a bridge over a river from one side of the one side of the river to the other and what we're doing is we're going across the bridge and we're trying to mark out where there's like where there's gaps in the bridge that people just fall out of. So we're trying to fill that up. So this is, again, it comes back to the other question about differentiation in the marketplace as well. A lot, of, a lot of companies are doing that awareness stage, top of funnel content marketing, a lot of that. So what we want to do is we want to get more and more specific. But ultimately, guys, the process is very, very simple. It goes from someone hasn't heard of us before, but they have a problem or a question. They search online for information to help them make an educated buying decision. They 
hopefully what happens is they type that question into Google. We're on page one. That's what we really need. That's what we'd really want. They find our article, our video. They go onto our, onto our website. We have done the right things on our website to make sure that not only do they read that article or watch that video or listen to that podcast or consume that content, generally speaking, we've done the right things to keep them there. And then we've predicted the their intent and their natural line of questioning. So we have other content that's related to that article or that video or that podcast that moves them through the process. So ultimately what we're doing as marketers is predicting the questions and the problems and the process so that when someone needs us, they can find us and that we can serve them in the right way. Obviously, it takes time to build all of that up. But that's ultimately what we're doing is we're trying to move them through a process. It might get to the point where they fill in a form, they download something on our website, and ultimately become someone that we can have a closer relationship with. And that might involve things like email marketing. It may involve things like paid advertising to retarget them and things like that. But ultimately, marketing is about building over time a closer relationship with our prospects, serving them content that helps them to make an educated buying decision because the education leads to confidence, confidence leads to trust. And that's ultimately why that's what we need. people need to have in order to buy what it is that they need to solve the problem that they have. It's really nice to think of things not just as sporadic bits of content, which is, I've got to be honest, when I first heard of content marketing, I was like, so like just writing blogs and hoping people sort of come across you and eventually we'll, so a very small percentage of them will actually end up engaging. But the idea of moving people down that funnel and focusing on that sort of medium, at the middle, sorry, not medium, the middle uh, to the bottom of that funnel is really quite interesting because the top of the funnel is got, it has absolutely got to be the most competitive place, hasn't it? Whereas that middle bit is, well, like, like you say, it seems obvious now we're talking about it, that, that yeah. is far less competitive. And it's where you can easily start to differentiate as well. Easily. I mean, it made me think of the old, I feel like open up my old business studies textbook and look at the old SWOT analysis because by, cons- by really consulting that, that's where those things are, are going to go. Before we get back into this, I'm going to let you know that this week for this episode, I left Rob in charge of the custom game for you. Chris. So I can only apologize for what's about to happen. So we thought, well, you know, Chris Marr is coming on the podcast. We thought, you thought. I thought Chris Marr is coming on the podcast. We need a really special game that he's really going to enjoy. And so I've created a game that I'd like to call Mars Bar. Okay. Mars Bar. Because we know you're a fan of the old Jim Beam. We know that. You love your pizza. We know all that about you. We've done my research. So it's, So the game's called, so he's Chris Marr. And the game's called Mars Bar. I see you've done that. It's crap. Right. Excellent. So uh, here's how it works. Chris, it's a very simple game. We are going to describe the ingredients of a number of different cocktails for you. And your job is simply to guess what the cocktail might be. What you'll be making in Mars Bar. Okay, let's do it. It's tenuous at best and it's tedious at (laughs) realistic. Okay, so here's the first one. All right, mix together... Some white rum, sugar, zesty lime, and cooling soda water for a winning drink that no one will turn down. What are you making? Um, a mojito? Yes! Good. The next one. Uh, use freshly brewed espresso and a dash of coffee liqueur for a real flavor hit. Uh, Espresso mart. I don't know. An espresso yes, cocktail. Yes, yes, espresso martini. You're gonna right. have it. That was it. You definitely have it. Okay. Uh, can I do this one? Yeah, that'll work. Uh, 
This one's going to be really tricky, actually. I apologize. Make a picture for your next gathering with friends and add plenty of mint leaves, cucumber, orange, and strawberries for a further flavor. What would I be doing that with? A fruitier flavor. A fruitier flavor, yes. Oh, it's got to be Pems. There we it go. It is uh, this one. Uh, <laughs> where is it? Oh, there we go. Break out the cocktail shaker and combine passion fruit pulp with vodka, Passoa? Yeah. I don't know you pronounce that. Uh, lime juice and a simple sugar syrup. Yeah. Um, sex on the beach? Uh, it was a passion fruit martini. It was a little uh, bit, of a, bit of a curveball there. A this one is an irresistible blend of creamy coconut with smooth white rum and some tangy pineapple in a retro classic. It's only my favourite cocktail. It's a pina colada. Ah, it's ah, mine as well, go. mate. I didn't know we said that. There you go. It's my favourite. <laughs> Use the plumpest, ripest strawberries you can find for a sweeter flavour. Um, uh, it's a, mar- a margarita? No? It's not. What else is in that thing? I can't it's remember. It's a terrible description. Yes. Strawberry. It's Rob's favourite. We're going to give it to you because it was a terrible clue. And you said strawberry. So said strawberry. Yeah, stra- strawberry daiquiri it was. that Daiquiri, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, cool. Good okay, this one combines delicious sweet and sour flavours with golden rum and fresh juice to create a sunshine striped tipple. What's that about? Oh, yeah, the striped thing's quite important. <laughs> it's, um, I have no idea what this one is. Uh, ah. Whiskey, sour... You're close. It was a rum punch. It was fairly big. Okay. Here we go. And uh, this one is a deliciously... Uh, this is the perfect balance of sweet and sour flavors with a deliciously fresh hint, fresh hint of citrus. This is a... You can add a glass of champagne to this to make it even more sort of exciting. It's usually made with vodka. You can replace it with tequila. And it's served in a very particular shaped <laughs> glass. <laughs> Um, ah, I've not got a clue on that one. Not a clue. That was a cosmopolitan. A Cosmo, right? Yes, I've not had one of those for a long, long time. Mm, same since, since this morning. <laughs> since this morning. Okay, uh, I think you got all but one there. That was pretty damn good. Very good. Very good. Mars, Mars bar. bar is open for business. Time to call time at Mars Bar. Let's get back to the interview. Love it. That was a great, that was a great game. Love it. That was like, test my knowledge there. I knew more than I thought actually on that one. It's good. Which is scary as well. Maybe I've got <laughs> It's got me thinking about, actually I could quite, quite do a drink now. I'll be all right with a bit of cucumber. Yeah. Refreshing. We're on specific rules here. No alcohol till Thursday. So. Oh wow. Is that self-imposed or was that the other Yeah, that's self-imposed. That's the way it is. <laughs> it's good for you. All right. So, Back to this content marketing thing. Obviously, we're looking at, it has to be a funnel. What are you finding right now when you're talking to a lot of your clients? I know you consult and you do a lot of coaching. You've got your membership uh, course and your membership program and all that stuff. Sure. What is the most effective in terms of quickest return on investment channel that you're seeing right now? Are people getting a really, because I'm always thinking, or I'm going to start a blog. How long is it going to take me to actually get an ROI? What's reasonable and what's a good channel to start off with right now to get that to be fast? It's a really tough question, but ultimately yeah. it's a, probably a combination of things. So first of all, I would, um, I'll give you three or four things here very quickly. Right? So I would answer the question, why, is some, why are people not buying from us at the moment? So I sit down and do this question a lot. I'll be like, right, so why what would be the possible reasons that someone might not be buying from us right now? And I think, well, have we got, have we, and I write down a bunch of reasons, have we addressed those questions, those problems on our website through content at the moment? What if we did some blogs and some videos that address those questions and get them out 
to our prospects, right? So why would someone not buy from, why are people not buying from us? Why is someone not buying from us right now? Then I would want to create that content and send it out to people that are already in the sales process, right? So they already know who we are and they're maybe thinking about buying from us anyway. So what we could do is create content that maybe moves them through the funnel a little bit faster as well. So we're looking at, essentially we're looking at low hanging fruit here, I suppose, or quick wins, right? So that would be like, that'd be a combination of two things I would do. And obviously I've just mentioned blogs and video there as well. I'd probably go with, I'd probably lead with video, but I'd also back that up with some good blog content as well, because yes, the SEO, the sort of uh, discovery part of that may take a bit longer, but you don't want to waste the opportunity to have that there as well for the future. So I would lead with video. Why are people not buying from us? Focus on people that are already in the sales process. And those are the, a combination of those three things would definitely be where I would start to get some, some quick wins and to move, move quickly. Okay, I can see that. Yes, yeah. so video is going to allow us to get and it allows you to get kind of feedback pretty quickly too, as well, doesn't it? And do some demonstration if you need to. It, yeah, it seems to make sense. Yeah, videos, videos. Like I know the video people say the video is huge, but like as of this year, eighty percent of content that uh, people consume online is video, mm-hmm. right? So it's not, it's not. I don't want to get, don't get confused about this because it's not that blogs are dead. Blogs are so thriving. Like we love teaching mm-hmm. people blogs. The ultimate, the the sort of. The gap in the market is, can we do it better? So what we want to teach people is to create the best version of that piece of content that exists online today. Okay. And there's, and honestly, in every category, in every industry, there's room for that gap to be filled, to be better. So we've got people, uh, a bunch of our clients, a bunch of our members are leading with video. They've skipped, it's almost like they've they've said, right, we're, we're going to do video first. But in, say um, 18 months ago, it wasn't that. It was video second. It was like, so we want to get our blog up and running, then we're going to do video. And now we've made this really quick shift to people leading with video first. And there's a lot of reasons for it. Yes, people, consumers are watching video to help them make buying decisions. They are watching videos before they fill forms in. They are watching videos before they click the buy button. They are, uh, you know, they're consuming videos to educate themselves. We know that to be true. Um, so for an organization that creates video, the 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 fat the bit that you you were talking about there about how do we do it faster? Ultimately, the question for a marketer is how do we build trust faster? And video is the obvious way to build trust quicker with a prospective customer because they can see you, they can hear you, they can get a feel for your personality, they can see your body language, they understand who you are, and ultimately that builds trust faster than than any other platform. Is this something that us business owners and entrepreneurs should be doing ourselves? Is it something that is outsourceable? Like you hear a lot of people offering to do your content marketing for you as a, as a, mm-hmm. as a sort of a business. Is it something we should employ somebody or, or you have an outsourced worker working full time doing it? Where does it really fit into the mechanics of the business? Sure. So it really depends on the size of business that you have, but um, it's all part of a all part of a journey, um, but I'll, I'll give you the, the the principles of the thing, right? So, ultimately, as a business owner, if you're listening to this and you're a business owner, it's more about uh, working towards doing the work that only you can do. But you may be, if you're the only person in your business, then you have all the jobs, right? So it's like um, if if I say, well, who's in sales, and there's nobody in sales, then you're the salesperson. So it's like you've got to respect that journey as well. Um, however, our, our, the way that we teach is that we, ha- we, we really want people to do as much in-house before outsourcing, right? So are we doing as much as we can in-house before we outsource to, say, a consultant, an agency, or outsource to people that can do some of the work, the work you know, that happens around 
content like editing and publishing and promotion and all of that stuff. The one thing that we don't want to outsource is our personality. I think, so if we take a middle-sized company, a medium-sized company, let's imagine that they have a marketing department and let's just, for sake of argument, say they have one marketing person in the organization. Mm. Now, that person still, still doesn't mean that they should, they should be doing everything. I would still encourage them to outsource a bunch of stuff like video editing and graphic design and website development and stuff like that because ultimately the marketer should be focusing on the strategy, understanding their customers better than anybody else, working out what content we should be creating. Yes, they might have to get into some of the technical stuff as well. But ultimately, we want to focus on in-house. What is the work that we need to do that's important for us to do? And what's the work that can be outsourced to people that are, can do it better, faster and cheaper than we can? So the principle here is working towards only doing the work that's important for you to do inside the organization and this 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 uh, philosophy of insourcing, right? So finding the people inside the organization that can help us to create content. So what we help market departments to do is to essentially, <laughs> I don't want to say this uh, bluntly, but basically sack their agencies and find the people inside the organization that can be on video, that can help with writing, can help with ideas, can help with strategy, and basically building an in sourced marketing team or an in-house marketing team. And the marketer's job then becomes about bringing all of that together, bringing the people together, getting them involved in the marketing for the company. So that's what we like to work towards. So yes, outsourcing happens. It happens at all stages actually. But there are certain things that you definitely don't want to outsource. And we should be thinking about how we internalize this culture of marketing. How do we bring it into the organization instead of what typically happens, which is not delegating it or outsourcing it, but actually in some ways abdicating it to a agency. In other words, we push it away from us. We tick the box. We pay someone 60 grand a year to do it for us. We don't have to worry about it anymore. But actually, when we start to understand marketing as part of sales, as part of strategy, as part of business development, we start to see that actually becomes one of the most important functions of the organization. And if we can embrace it and we can lead with it, then we will ultimately see a huge change and impact for for our business. I love this idea of like insourcing things. I think one of the things that's really easy for all of us to do is think that marketing is a thing that happens over there. Like you say, abdicating the responsibility and the functionality of, of marketing is a huge, obviously a huge mistake that people yeah. have made. But really, if you look inside your organization, whether that's an internal organization or you've got outsourced people or wherever you're at in that journey, and to think about it as each person in that business, the chief exec, your ops person, your development team, whatever, everybody across the business has got insight, has got lessons, has got information, knowledge, and expertise that they could be interviewed about, whether that's on video because they're suitable for video, or it's as a written blog post where that person's sharing their insight. And that a lot of that knowledge can come from within the organization, which means it pulls that personality through. Something that like an outsourced marketing agency can't do because all they're going to do most likely, unless they're really super good, is at best they can do some really good research. It's not going to come with like the gravitas of, of what your business is about and where it's coming from. So I think that brings me to sort of a question around how do you decide if you haven't really strategically done content marketing at this point? You might have done some stuff, but if, you're, if we're really trying to get our, 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 our content strategy stuff together, how do we decide what we should produce 
first? Like what should the, how do we make the decision? What's the question we need to answer or the question we need to ask ourselves Mm -hmm. around to figure out what do I need to produce first? What's our first video? What's our first strategic blog post going to be? Our first podcast episode. What's the question we need to be asking ourselves? Um, we need to be, you need to, again, it's about getting specific. So you could, you could do this very simply just by saying to yourself, right, let me, let me give you a scenario actually. Right. So an in-house marketer might say to me, um, Chris, I'm not sure what, what we should be, what content we should be creating this month because, um, everybody's telling me that their product or their department or their service is more important than the others. Should I do a blog on this topic this week, this topic next week, this topic the week after, and that topic the week after that? And ultimately, what that means when someone asks questions like that, it means it's clear to me that they do not have strategic direction. In other words, we don't know what we're trying to achieve. So the first question really is, which area of our business needs attention right now. So it could be, right, we're not selling enough of X. We're really, we're losing customers in this area here. Um, you know, th- we need to clearly, we need to spend more time clearly identifying the problem first. So we're not selling enough of this product. Why is that? What have we done in the past? Why didn't it work? What have we done in the past that did work, right? And then we get into the nitty gritty and we start to say, well, what, what, what are our customers doing in that area? How are they behaving? How are they making buying decisions? What content can we create in there? So your strategy starts to become not about not particularly about a specific product, but a problem within the process for that specific product. So we start to really, really dig into it. So ultimately, if you're saying to yourself, I don't know where to start, what you need to do is you need to pick a business problem first or a sales problem first and then develop a content strategy that solves that sales problem. So it might be, oh, we're just not getting enough customers here. We're losing customers there. We need to make more profit over here. We're not generating enough revenue in this area. Mm. And then ultimately that becomes your marketing problem to be solved. So basically the content marketing needs to fit into the rest of the marketing. It's not like its own little leg over there that's going to just bring you a, an absolute shed load of customers. It has to fit in and complement everything else and move people through that thing. And it has to be done strategically. It's not a case yep. of just banging it on the internet. Of course. Like, okay. That's yes. So, so the cool. biggest challenge for most, and for most people that get into content marketing is that it is not aligned with the strategic direction within the company. And that's why it's undervalued. That's why people say things like it's not working. And that's why they ultimately don't spend money on it because they're, they, because they undervalue it, they don't then see the results. They then don't put the resource into it or the budget into it. And then they say it doesn't work. And the whole reason it didn't work in the first place is because they didn't clearly identify the problem they were trying to solve. Very, very interesting. It makes a lot of sense. Now, Chris, we're going to interrupt proceedings for a second time in this episode now to play our second and favorite game. Here's how it works. My colleague Kennedy here. Hello. That's him. He's going to sing a song for you now, Chris, but he's going to sing a song in the style of a traditional British club or pub singer, which means that some of the words may be somewhat confused and disguised. Your job, Chris, and dear listener at home, is simply to guess what song Kennedy sings. Kennedy, take it away. Chris, what song was that? 
I have got no idea what oh, song that was. Is he laughing at it? Yeah, it's crazy. Sure. Just looking around the office to see when so, Chris rolling um, Absolutely no idea what it is. I tried to get the tune, but not got a clue. If that makes you feel any better, Kennedy, I thought that was excellent. Did you? Thanks. Doesn't make you feel any better at all because you're that the was, It's fine when you know the answer, right? That was the uh, that was the the fugees killing me softly. <laughs> It was bang on. Was. I don't know what you're oh, talking about. Listen back yeah. to it. It all makes sense. Listen yeah, back. I can you listen back. Sense too, but, oh man, right, good. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a rare talent. <laughs> so, it's rarely seen. Very, very rare. Very rare. Speaking of talent, and that, obviously that was doused in creativity and technical ability. I'm sort of now wondering with this content marketing thing, there seems to be a real... My sort of question is kind of like, where do you... Where do you start with a bit of content, not in terms of what to write or what to create, but in terms of how you create it? Is that usually done or is it better to be done from a technical perspective, like talking SEO, findability, searchability, or and, and do, the, do the SEO bit first and then make it creative? Or is it better to do it where the other way around, which is come up with a bit of creative, something that you want to say, something that fits that need in the marketplace, and then add tech, technical stuff to it, like go back through it, make it search friendly and all that sort of stuff. Which is the better way around, the more effective way around you found of doing it? Yeah, that's an that's a interesting question um, because I think the answer is probably a bit of both at the same time. Okay. So... Um, like, look at your podcast, for example. Uh, when did you decide that you were going to do the games and the and the, uh, the the two games that you've shared with me today? When did you decide you were going to do those? Uh, we decided that was from the beginning because so we knew that we didn't want to just have another interview podcast, and we you know we okay. made some yeah. So we knew that was going to be so we could do the whole personality. The actual so. games have evolved over yeah. time. Sure. Yeah, appreciate that. And that's what happens, right? So creative, we try something, it was good. We try and develop it a little bit more. It gets better, it gets easier. We get clearer on what it looks like. So this is a great example. This is a great case study, right? So you knew that you didn't want to go into the market with just another sort of like marketing interview-based podcast, right? Because that's essentially when you break it down, it's what it is. So how do we make it more interesting well, we're going to introduce these fun games that are going to be interesting, they're going to be fun, it's going to be entertaining, it's going to be a laugh, right? Mixed in with all of that, create something unique, okay? So, right. But that's what the market needs right now because how many podcasts are there about marketing and business and entrepreneurship? There's a lot of them and all, a lot of them are interview-based. Plus, you, there's two of you guys. One of you's got red hair, one of you's got white hair. It's a little bit different, it's a little bit unique, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit more fun, right? It's a little bit more interesting. I so, feel so yeah, novel right now. <laughs> yeah, so, so the answer is it's a bit of both. And, and you're, you're right to ask this question because right now in the market, there is a lot of content out there. So it, it does, this doesn't mean that you need to be the most creative person in the world to create content. It just means that you are going to have to find something that makes your content stand out from the rest, that makes it a little bit more creative. The technical aspects are, I, I feel this, at this moment in time, kind of have to go without saying. Now, I would say that if you're, this is something that we teach others to appreciate as well, is if you're going to go into YouTube, you need to understand YouTube understand the algorithm, understand how it works, get the apps, the browser apps that tell you about all the different things, the checklists, everything that you need to know to make sure that when you publish a video on there, it's got the best chance of winning, right? I, I'm not an expert on YouTube, but I know that there's ele- there's elements on every platform that you need to make sure 
that you do to make sure it has a chance of winning. So there's no point in going to YouTube and publishing videos if you haven't optimized your titles and your tags and your descriptions and your, you know, all of that stuff, right? And so if you said to me, I'm not getting any results from my YouTube channel and I go there and you're not doing any of that, then I'd be like, well, why aren't you doing the technical part? It's very creative content you have here, but no one can find it. Same with blogs, same with podcasts, same with anything that you do. I think the technical part is like your respect for the platform is saying, I have to do these things in order to play the game. How you play it, how creative it is, is is the thing that makes it different. And I think everybody needs that now because there is so much content. We've had this, I've had this debate back and forth with people before. So a lot of content was starting to be the same as everybody else's. Mm-hmm. So it needs to, it needs something to lift it a little bit. And you guys have a great example with the podcast. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank, thank Fine words coming from well, Mr. Mar. We'll finish that on a compliment, I think. <laughs> let's, uh, let's roll over into the quick fire round. Hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. Chris, what would be a book that you'd absolutely recommend? Oh, this is such a, like I've said this question before I came onto the podcast. I was like, God, there's so many great books. Right. Um, I'll, w- the, the best thing I can do with you is give you a great book that I'm reading just now, if that's okay. okay right. So as part of our book club, we read books every other month or every six weeks or so. And the book that we just read was Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday. And that's the second read of that book for me. Um, it's one of the best marketing books that you could read. It's, it deals with all the stuff that we could potentially get into if we were to go a little bit deeper today. But ultimately, it's about creating a product or a service or a piece of work that sells forever instead of something that you're just ticking boxes or good is good enough. It's all about dealing with perfectionism. It's an amazing book. Wow. Very cool. Um, who do you look... Oh, no, wrong question. Your top success habit, something you do daily or weekly? Journal every single day. Journal. Yes, you do that on your blog, don't you? I do a journal every single day. I have a public channel, uh, challenge that's available for anybody to join mm-hmm. as well. So it's a 14-day challenge. It happens in rounds. So we literally just started the next 14-day challenge yesterday. If you're not listening to this podcast till maybe June or July, the challenge will still be going on. I've been doing it for nine months now. And it's every 14 days, we start a new 14-day round. So anybody can leave, anybody can join. Um, so if you want to know more about that, just go over to... Um, chrismar.co.uk. It's all there. It's a side project I'm on. Don't make any money from it. It's nothing to do with my business, but it's absolutely the, I believe it's the, it's the one thing that differentiates me from my peers and gives me a competitive edge in the market um, is to, to journal every single day. That's really, really interesting. We do want to know who you look up to then. Look up to is a funny word because like when you say look up to, it sounds like someone that I'm putting on a pedestal. So I would say that I've got a couple of different people that I live up to. So I look at Rob and Kenneth. That's right. Exactly. So I look at their lives and I think, you know what? They carry themselves really well. They communicate really well. They respect people. They've got a great family. You know, that's what I look at as their sort of personality and their style rather than success or, you know, that sort of thing. So I would say Marcus Sheridan's a really good friend of mine and uh, he's someone that I absolutely live up to. But there's a few others. There's probably like a top three or four, I would say, that are people that I kind of look at and think if I could be a little bit more like them, I think I would, I think I'd be a good person. (laughs) Very cool. What are your favorite apps that help you with content marketing right now? 
Helping with content. Oh, there's so many. Um, uh, one of the ones that we've used, uh, we've moved over from Trello uh, to Basecamp. And that has changed the way that we work in, uh, in the most profound way in terms of effectiveness and efficiency and communication within the company as well. So I would say Basecamp is like the gateway to uh, the success that we have in our company. It's brilliant. I love it. That's lovely. That sounds really good. Yeah, we're big Asana fans here and we've looked at Basecamp and we use Trello sure. too. So there's a lot of those, but I, yeah, Basecamp, another big shout out there. Awesome. Big important question. Who do you like more, Rob with the red hair or Kennedy with the beautiful platinum hair? I don't know what you're trying to get from this question. Uh, <laughs> Points. Um, point. Oh, is, is, this a point? is this a game, is it? It's a tally chart uh, on the whiteboard. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay, now I get it. Um, it's about, actually, it's all about who's... The loser buys the fish and chips on the Friday of that week. So it, there's a lot, a lot hanging on this. Right. So I loved the... I, I'm going to go with Rob on this one because I loved the, the creative element around the game. I loved it. There you go. See? Oh, ah. And finally, most importantly, Chris, where can people go to find out more about you? The best thing to do is to jump onto Twitter at ChrisMar101. Uh, get me there. And from there, you can get to my website. You can tweet me. You can ask me questions, whatever. That's, a, that's the best place to, to go. Sounds great. Dude, thank you so much for taking some time out to come and join us on Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. This has been awesome. This has been great, man. Thank you so much. I loved it. Thank you so much. Now, there's a man that knows his alcohol. There is. He loves it. Like, as we were doing that game, I thought, ah, oh, this is harder than this is harder than I thought it was. He did he just good. He nailed he it. just nailed it. I'll tell you what else he nailed, which was just, I mean, you, you heard me talking about it, an absolute mic drop moment, as I like to call them. And that is, we do totally all focus on, when the majority of us unsmart people, focus on that top, end, top of the funnel. Yeah, And we shouldn't be, that, that, that middle of the funnel is really our biggest opportunity to deliver the most unique content. Because how many times have we sat in our content strategy meetings and gone, well, how else do we make that top of the funnel stuff unique and uniquely respond sweet voice? Oh, we'll do it in our unique quirky style. We'll do a video so it can only be us. But actually that middle of the funnel is the stuff that basically only we can talk about. Oh, certainly it's not as bland and open and as wide as the very top of the funnel. So not only does it help you attract the right people, but it's easier to create that content, which I just think is amazing. Yeah. And it also comes down to the types of content that you can create at that level, which is again, one of the great things that Chris talks about, like comparing you to other suppliers and yeah. just the other stuff that you can do is really interesting once you get south of that. What an absolute lad. If you missed any of those points, or you want to just see them written down in a form so you can go and sort of check them off to make sure you didn't miss any of it, I wouldn't blame you. Head over to blog.responsesuite.com slash 059. All the show notes, all the points are right there in a beautifully laid out and logical fashion. Along with some cracking cocktail recipes, if that is the sort of thing you're after. I mean, why not? We never even intended to do that, but there we go. Where Just give, 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 given. Now, if you are one of those folks that hasn't yet left us a review, we do who you are and we do still want to be friends with you but that can only happen if you take a few minutes of your day to go and leave us a quick review you can do it on itunes just head over to responsesuite.com forward slash itunes and until that moment you have to imagine in your head every second single second of every day as you close your eyes we're looking at you we're peering over some of those half moon glasses like a disappointed schoolmistress, saying well, why haven't you done it yet we're not angry. We're just disappointed. We're just disappointed in you. You've so if you self doubt. No, I've gone too far now. <laughs> that's, that's a, you're taking it a little bit too far. But everybody else, by the way, who has left us a review. Thanks. You are the people. I mean, well, thank you. Well, thank you for that very much. Anyway, that's enough driveling on from us. 
We'll see you next week. Don't miss a thing. thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesweek.com.